Hello, and welcome to this live recording from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy what God's got to say to you. Happy Mother's Day, mums. And it's great to have our teenagers with us this morning, although I'm sure they're all exhausted after having got up so early this morning and got their mums breakfast in bed and cups of coffee. Or maybe they were like my children who, when they were very young, were very enthusiastic on Mother's Day morning and up, you know, getting breakfast, handwritten menus and flowers on the tray with breakfast. But then, sadly, by the time they got to being teenagers and actually were capable of getting a nice breakfast without destroying the kitchen and the rest of the house, they just wanted to sleep in. So, But I'm sure teenagers aren't like that t- these days. That was a long time ago. So, I love that line in that clip, it's your heart not your womb. That's the measure of your true worth. It's so beautiful. One of my favourite images is this one of Mother Teresa and Princess Diana. Many will recall, like me, news of their deaths within a few days of each other. They were mothers of a different sort. One is best remembered as the mother of two princes, one who will be the future king. The other had the title mother, though never married or had any children of her own. She's best remembered for her love and care, particularly of the poorest of the poor. Both both Mother Teresa and Princess Diana cared, loved and nurtured others. Today I want to honour all women who love, care and nurture. Mothers, aunts, great aunts, grandmothers, friends, teachers, carers. The world is richer because of all of us together. Given it is Mother's Day, I thought it would be fitting to reflect on a mother's story. And God confirmed that when Leslie Sutton spoke last week. We first meet this mother as a simple village girl in a poor home in an out-of-the-way place. She's bending over her work when suddenly the light changes. She raises her eyes. A messenger of God stands before her with a puzzling greeting. He calls her most favoured one and tells her the Lord is with her. She's stunned, even troubled. What can this mean? The angel comforts her. Do not be afraid, Mary. He knows her by name. He has a unique call for her life, as he does for all of us. He knows us each by name and he has a unique call for each one of us. To this mother it was said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. This mother was given one of the greatest callings, privileges, blessings, joys. She too was to become the mother of a king, the king of earth and heaven, the Lord Jesus. But just as with any calling with potential to bring the greatest of joy, There is also the possibility to bring great sorrow. And these words were also spoken to Mary. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. This mother's story is one of mystery, of faith, hope and love, of great joy and deep sorrow. I would dare to suggest that that's true of all mother's stories. In fact, of all our stories. Motherhood is, of course, a wonderful, wonderful blessing and privilege 
I give great thanks for my four children, my in-laws and five grandchildren. But being a mother can often be romanticised, especially around Mother's Day, when we encounter advertisements of beautiful women in their designer pyjamas, lounging gracefully in crisp white ironed bed linen, (laughs) with um, angelic children all around them, allowing their mum to enjoy a cup of hot coffee, gourmet breakfast in bed, with beautifully manicured nails. What about the rest of the year? What about the real mum who's sleep-deprived, who doesn't get out of her mismatched PJs all day, who four months after giving birth and just beginning to feel trim, her jeans just fit again, has someone come up to her and say, congratulations, when's your baby due? I kid you not, it happens. (laughs) Who's suffering postnatal depression? Who's overwhelmed by the jobs that are never finished? Whose kids always seem to be fighting? Do children still fight every time they get into the car about whose turn it is to sit in what seat? Or whose kids are suffering in some way, as on the first clip, and you feel the pain of that suffering that they're feeling? Whose kids are far away or not in touch? Or of the single mum doing it all alone? Or of the grandmother one of the many grandmothers doing it all the second time around. If we reflect on Mary, the mother of Jesus, we actually encounter a real person, a teenager who embraces her unique calling with joy in the face of staggering cost. We encounter the fretting mother as Jesus grows older and she attempts to interfere and fix things. We encounter the grieving mother at the cross as her dreams and hopes die. Then we encounter her after the resurrection, as her hope is reignited. Mary's example shows us that life leads every single one of us into uncharted territory, maybe never more so than as a parent. And our story, in many ways, mirrors her story. Let's look at Mary, the young mother, It's amazing to think that Mary was likely around 15 years of age when she received the news from the messenger Gabriel that she would carry the Messiah. She lived in a little out-of-the-way town. She was likely uneducated, probably from a poor family. This call had the potential to ruin her standing in the community, destroy her family, break her engagement, bring punishment, even death, end all her hopes and dreams for the future. And if the virgin birth of Jesus is perplexing for us, imagine how it felt for her. How can this be? she asked. The angel reassured her with the words, nothing is impossible with God. Despite the mystery, her fear, uncertainty and confusion, her response was simple and profound. She did not need to fully understand here I am, the servant of the Lord. May your word be confirmed, be, to me be fulfilled. She was willing to be available to a God who knew her by name. For nine months she carried this precious cargo. It was her blood that carried the nutrients to this child. An ancient hymn says it so beautifully. He whom the entire universe could not contain was contained within your womb. Mary was the finite point through whom God entered the human race. God who had 
unlimited power came as a helpless babe through a frail human, a teenage girl. So let us never minimise what God can do through frail humanity, even our frail humanity. God's best followers are ordinary people who even in their fear, their confusion, vulnerability, make themselves to a, available to a God who knows them by name. It is not great faith we need, but faith in a great God. It is God who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. And when we do receive news, whether that be joyful news, sad news, disturbing news or puzzling news, many of us want to share it, talk it over with a trusted someone to help make sense of it. Mary needed a trusted someone. Gabriel had added in a little P.S. Even Elizabeth is going to have a child in her old age. Elizabeth was beyond childbearing age. But God wanted to reassure Mary that all things are possible with God. Tradition holds that Elizabeth lived some 128 kilometres from Mary, about nine days' journey by foot. The fact that Mary was willing to travel so far to see Elizabeth speaks of how she was feeling and her deep deep longing to seek solace in her. Elizabeth was an older woman. She'd likely suffered miscarriages. Through her own sorrow, she developed a deep trust in God, a love, care and compassion for others, like that gold in the Kintsugi pottery we heard about last week. And it's likely that because she didn't have children of her own, she'd been a particularly special maternal figure to Mary. Mary needed an Elizabeth, someone to encourage her faith in light of what she was facing, someone to listen and believe in her. There are times for all of us when we need the golden wisdom of another. People who have learnt faith, hope and love over the long haul. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. We are so blessed to have so many of those people here amongst us. We have one another. Therefore encourage one another and build one another up. Who is your Elizabeth? Who is your Mary? What about Mary the Blessed Mother? Mary was indeed a blessed mother, as all mothers are. Elizabeth greeted Mary with words of reassurance and joy. Blessed are you among women. Blessed are you because you believe the Lord. Mary's fear gave way to uncontainable joy. She opened her mouth and praised God with that beautiful song known as the Magnificent. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Her song of praise reflects Hannah's song in 1 Samuel. She draws on the scriptures which give her words to express how she feels. In this song we find a picture of a God who has a heart for the humble and lowly, who opposes the proud, autonomous and self-sufficient. In the Western church we've come to associate blessing with ease of life. Success, comfort, material wealth, the fulfilment of all our dreams. These things are, of, are, of course, blessings. But Mary's greater blessedness came from her humility 
and willingness to trust God and be part of his plan for the world. She would face difficulties. When she was nine months pregnant, Mary and Joseph were forced to travel to Bethlehem over dusty roads for ten days. Of course, this didn't take God by surprise, but I'm sure it wasn't in Mary's antenatal plan. When our eldest son was six weeks old, we moved to London and arrived not knowing anyone with a baby in arms and suitcases. That was hard, but it was nothing like Mary's journey. And let's not forget that night in Bethlehem. The carol is very beautiful, but was it really a silent night, all calm and bright? (laughs) Having given birth to four children, I very much doubt it. (laughs) Another Christmas song called Labour of Love is perhaps more realistic. The words go like this. It was not a silent night. You could hear a woman cry. And the stable was not clean, and little Mary, full of grace, with tears upon her face, had no mother's hand to hold. Her baby was born in messiness and pain, in a stable among animals. Mary was blessed, but it didn't mean she didn't face inconvenience and discomfort, as God takes the decision even of a wicked emperor and forces it to serve his own saving purposes. Later, they took another unwanted journey as they fled to Egypt to protect their child from infanticide. Being blessed didn't eliminate disappointment, tears, worries and doubts. Like Mary, our blessedness often looks quite different than we might expect. There are many joys in our lives, but we also face heartache, fears, worries and upended dreams. All our stories are formed amid what life brings us in the midst of a broken world. Life has a way of taking us all on journeys we don't wish to take. There are those who have actually fled lands in real persecution. There's more persecuted Christians in the world today than ever before in history. Then there are those unwanted journeys to the hospital emergency department with a sick child. Or unwanted journeys to the principal's office on behalf of your child. Or unwanted journeys to pick up your kids from Northbridge at 3am in the morning. Or unwanted journeys to receive a bad health diagnosis. Where is God in these times? God promises, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, your Saviour. So often, life's best lessons are learned in struggles. As we keep our eyes on him, any difficulty can be repurposed to mould us into greater Christ-likeness. And as parents, we so often find that the Lord doesn't just use us to raise our children... He uses our children to raise us. As we depend on him in new ways, very often on our knees, we learn patience and kindness and sacrifice, long-suffering, unconditional love. But we need to continually speak that hope to ourselves and one another, especially in difficult times, so we don't grow weary and lose heart. What about raising her child? In the raising of children, Jewish families went through several ceremonies to acknowledge God as the giver 
of life. From Jesus' youngest days, Mary and Joseph took seriously that responsibility of raising their child according to God's law. And at eight days, they did the right thing and took him to the temple to be consecrated to God, among many other things they did. We all want our children to grow up healthy and happy, but we also want them to grow up knowing they have a God-given destiny. Statistics tell us that mums and dads are overwhelmingly the most important influence on children developing a faith that lasts. Children who see faith modelled, seeing their parents reading the Bible, praying, actively involved in the church, actively caring for others, learn that faith is a lifestyle. I recently heard John Dixon, a historian, writer, academic, speak about an extensive study done in 2008 by a leader in the psychology of religion from Oxford University. She was comparing British four- and five-year-olds raised in a theistic culture and Japanese four- and five-year-olds raised in a non-theistic culture, quizzing them about how they thought the universe came into being. The study demonstrated that there was no difference in the results from the British children and the Japanese children. They all intuited at the same rates that someone, not something, ordered the world. This resulted in a flurry of other studies being done, and the data was overwhelmingly clear that humans are predisposed to believe in a God and the afterlife, that children have an innate belief in a higher power, that they're predisposed to believe in a creator in a desire to make sense of their world. Parents, we need to spiritually nurture that innate belief in children while they're young to help them understand there is a loving creator that not only makes sense of the world but makes sense of their life and that Jesus has come to make that loving creator known to them. What about letting go? For Mary and all of us, part of life is knowing when to let go. Most parents have suffered at least one of those heart-stopping moments when they've lost a small child and they begin to search frantically for them and a few minutes feels like an eternity. And then when you find them, they're as happy as Larry, at least until you find them. They, They didn't even know they were lost. Well, what was it like for Mary and Joseph when they couldn't find their 12-year-old son and they realized they'd left him behind in the big city of Jerusalem? Three sleepless nights and a lot of prayer, I'm sure. Understandably, Mary was miffed at his apparent lack of regard over the whole affair. Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. The reproof was turned back upon them. First, they should have known where he was, and secondly, that God, not Joseph, was his father. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? What what mother would not feel heartache at such a response from a 12-year-old? Such audacity would surely warrant time out to think about it. (laughs) But instead, his mother treasured up these things in her heart. Mary nurtured Jesus as any mother, good mother would, pondering the meaning of his words. She, like all mothers, is confronted with the reality that the day is coming when she must let him go. While she knew this day would come, so much time had passed since that angel's message. 
Perhaps she was hoping that God had somehow forgotten this part of the arrangement. How was she to navigate the path of protecting, keeping safe, being responsible for this adolescent 12-year-old, while at the same time beginning to let him go to follow his unique calling? How did she parent this unique child she had been given? Mothers and fathers today ask the same question as they discover the uniqueness of their children. How do I parent this child, the one who's often sick, the one with special needs, the particularly clever child, the very sensitive child, the one who can never sit still, the one who's being bullied? As a mother, I once sat sat across the desk from the principal It wasn't the first or the last time, actually. (laughs) Feeling helpless and unequipped to know how to deal with an issue one of my children was facing. I can still remember the principal leant over the desk, looked me in the eye and said, Mrs Ford, God has given you this child and you are the best mother for this child. As we face challenges with our children, grandchildren, even friends and colleagues, and we don't know what to do, we feel helpless, we can ask God for wisdom. We need to turn to him to pray and ask God to help because we don't always know what to do, but we have to trust God has put us in the right place at this time. We won't get everything in every relationship right, but nor will anyone else, so we're in good company. And above all, we must love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins and a multitude of mistakes. Years later, Mary came to Jesus at another time. He'd become popular as a teacher and known as someone possessing unusual powers. Clamouring crowds were swarming around him and constant demands were on him. He's overworked, Mary probably thought. What mother would not try to help? Jesus and his followers sought respite in a home and it soon came so packed that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. Now that would send off alarm bells in every mother of adult sons. Mary and other family members decided it was time to interfere. When Jesus realised that his mother and brothers were outside looking for him, Did he interrupt his conversation, excuse himself, and go and reassure them? No. In fact, he asked, who are my mother and my brothers? Ouch. What a response. The nature of the relationship was changing. For Jesus, his family bonds were no longer defined by blood, but by whoever does the will of God. Mary had to set her son free for a bigger thing. She had to let go of control and let God work this out. Letting go as relationships change is part of all our lives, particularly so for mothers. The letting go of the need to protect. The letting go when we feel wrong choices are made. The letting go as children go far away to pursue the life that God has called them to. The letting go of the need to solve everyone's problems. The letting go of unreal expectations of others and ourselves. The letting go of the need to always give advice. 
Just this week, I got a very curt reply from one of my daughters when I offered what I thought was very practical and good advice. A very curt thank you without a smiley face. (laughs) The letting go of the imagined perfect family, which actually doesn't exist. The letting go of the guilt and shame of the past when we know we've made mistakes. We all have to let go of our pasts, let go of situations, let go of people, and eventually let go of our children and let God. And all the while, keep praying, keep praying and praying and praying because God can do way more than what we can ever do. And what about a mother's grief? The letting go took Mary all the way to the sheer agony and grief of the cross as she watches helplessly as her firstborn son is crucified. While others disappeared, this mother was not going to leave her son. Mary's eyes are locked with the eyes of the boy she once nursed, once watched fall asleep. In the midst of his agony, he said to John with deep compassion, Here is your mother. In that moment, Jesus understood the suffering of mothers and the pain of separation with a loved one. For those who feel undone by various losses, we take comfort in a God who grieves with us and for us. God understands the brokenhearted. As residents of a broken planet, brokenheartedness is very real. For the one longing to be a mother... For the mother who does not get to hear, I love you, mum. For the one who's doing double duty as mother and father. For the grandmother who's raising grandchildren. For those whose mothers have passed away and still grieving for them. And for the myriad other forms of brokenheartedness. Jesus, the man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, understands. And we are called to reflect his compassion and care as we walk with one another and grieve with those who grieve. And I'd just like to take this opportunity on behalf behalf of the pastoral team to thank everyone who's cared and loved the Pasco family this past year. Those who have loved and cared for the children. Those who have loved and cared in practical ways around the house taken meals, another amazing work party that was done there yesterday. Those who have given financially, I know they so appreciate it. I know God sees it. And that is how we reflect the love, care and compassion of Jesus. But thankfully, there's always hope. And the grieving scene at the cross is not the end of Mary's story. In every situation, there is always hope. Because God is always at work. Death did not have the final word. Mary's sorrow gave way to unspeakable joy as she witnessed the empty tomb and the resurrected Jesus. He is alive. She became part of the new church community, praying and waiting to receive the promised Holy Spirit. And tradition tells us that she ended up in Ephesus with John, serving in the church telling others about her and their saviour. How else could Mary have found Jesus as her saviour without first losing him as her son? 
The deepest need of all our hearts is ultimately not found in a child, husband, job or things as wonderful as these things are. They can be gone at any time. But the deepest need of our hearts is Jesus, our Saviour. Though very differently to Mary, we too are invited to bring Christ into the world. As we reflect his goodness, his love and grace in our prayers, our thoughts and our actions. Like Mary, when we answer yes to the God who calls us by name, we don't know how life will unfold. But when seemingly insurmountable obstacles seem to stand in the way of God's promises and we too are compelled to ask, how can this be? Mary gives us hope that nothing is impossible with God. As we humbly put our faith and trust in the God who demonstrated his great love for us on the cross, as we rejoice in the hope of an empty grave, and as we encounter the resurrected Jesus by the Spirit, Mary's song can become our song. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has done great things for me. Let's pray. Thank you, loving Father, that you know us by name, that you have a unique call and purpose for each and every one of us. Thank you that you are with us through the highs and lows, that you are with us on every unwanted journey that we go on. Lord, would you give us the encouragement that we need, especially as we wait for you to answer our prayers. Help us to reflect your love and grace to one another, to our friends, to our colleagues, and to our children. And may the hope of the empty grave call us onward and upward as we keep our eyes fixed on you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. If you'd like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, then you can contact the team at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church by calling the office during office hours on 9329 Thanks for joining us. We look forward to your company again soon. God bless.